You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Acts 2, verse 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The text for the sermon is Acts 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, let us be silent just for a moment. Now we don't hear it anymore, the blowing of a violent wind. And we don't see it anymore, what seemed like tons of fire. How deeply impressed would we be when the Spirit would come to us today, the way he came 2,000 years ago at the first Pentecost. How deeply impressed must they have been, our brothers and sisters back then in Jerusalem. Have you ever endured a full-size storm in the outdoors, the wind and the trees making more noise than a train crossing a bridge, and then imagine that sound in the house where they were? It must have been so convincing. Here is the Spirit of the Lord. But we don't hear it. Not even the sound of a gentle breeze. How comes? Are we deaf, maybe? Have we become immune to the impact of the Spirit one way or another? The signs that accompanied the coming of the Spirit, Spirit were not an ordinary storm wind, of course, or ordinary flames of fire. Uh, the coming of the Spirit sounded like the blowing of a violent wind, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire on each of them. It wasn't wind as such. It were not flames as we know them. Good, we don't have to see flames or hear the same sound, to convince us of the presence of God's Spirit. But how much do we hear? And how much do we see of the Spirit's activity? And how much does the world notice today of Him being with us? Let us this morning Listen with open ears and open hearts to the gospel of Pentecost, the gospel of the coming of the Spirit of Christ. The theme of the sermon is, the Spirit of God is coming. The first point of the sermon is, our attitude. The second point, his work. And the third point, our work. The Spirit of God is coming. Our attitude, his work, our work, our attitude. Should we really discuss our attitude first? Does it, first of all, really matter what attitude we have? Do we really think that we, our attitude, could prevent the Spirit from coming to us and taking us wherever He wants, whenever He wants? The answer is clear, no. We cannot stop the Spirit in His course. Not by our attitude, not by our words, not by our deeds. Psalm 139 teaches the opposite. Where can I go from your spirit? 
Where can I flee from your presence? Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Just some bits from a beautiful psalm that leave room for only one conclusion. If God wants him to, his spirit will find you and enter your life. Of course, this message is the first message of the history related in Acts 2 as well. When the Spirit finally comes, He comes with force, unstoppable. When the Spirit finally comes, He breaks through man-made barriers with ease. The history of Acts 2 makes clear, even if you put your fingers in your ears, even if you close your eyes behind your hands, you will notice, you will experience the presence of the Spirit. This is the Lord at work. It's ridiculous. Even to consider the possibility of preventing him from reaching his goal. To keep him away. Outside of your life. You can try to keep your ears plugged for the message of the Spirit. But if he wants his message to reach your heart, he will get through. Believe me. Still, this reality of faith is not always the reality of experience. The reality of faith is that the spirit can enter any place. He wants to enter a locked room, a closed heart. He doesn't care. The reality of experience teaches us, if you close your ears because you don't want to hear the word of the Lord, the Lord can keep silent. If you close your eyes because you don't want to acknowledge the reality of heaven, you can end up blind for it. If you, as a human being, choose to believe the Lord has no influence in your life, he might well leave you to your fate. Sometimes if you realize that you don't feel the presence of the Lord in your life, Well, it can actually be true. Our Lord Jesus Christ somewhere tells us that those who do not want to listen to his gospel have hearts that have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. So, our attitude can become killing in our relationship to the Lord. Killing yourself, that is. But you don't want to go there. The message of the history of Pentecost is you don't want to go there. You don't keep heaven on hold. You want to be open-minded, with open ears and open eyes. You want to be looking for the Lord on the place where he wants you to be. And that's the next lesson to learn from our brothers and sisters on the day of the first Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, all of them, men and women, older people, younger people, wealthy people, as well as servants, together 
not each of them individually, in his own house, behind his own fence, in front of his own TV set, I should add today, they were together in apparently a house of one of the more well-to-do members with enough room for the congregation. Well, I'm going to shortcut the message to you. If you want to hear from the Lord, come to the church. If you want to see the Lord at work, come to the church. Open mind. The point was and is, you cannot stop the coming of the Spirit by no means. If he wants to come, he will come. But if you think you do not see him or hear him, then you should ask yourself, am I looking for him or am I closing myself to him? Look, God is a spirit, invisible by nature. But the way he made himself visible earlier in his dwelling place in the tabernacle and the temple in Jerusalem, the same way God's spirit is visible in his temple today. You, the church. Listen, the Lord is not always with us the way he was with us in Jesus Christ. But his very words you can still hear. And they still have the power of his spirit here in the church. Now, I realize very well that neither my words nor the acts of the church are perfect. I know that. But you and I can't help it that the Spirit chooses to use the church as his powerhouse. And you know him. Nothing, not even my sins, can stop him from reaching his goals. So be there where he calls you. Our attitude. The disciples of 2,000 years ago were together deliberately. In doing so, they obeyed the command of the Lord Jesus Christ not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the gift his father had promised, which they had heard him speaking about. <laughs> for John baptized with water, but in a few days they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore they were together, willing to wait for some days or more, open to the Lord, whatever way he wanted to come to them, so let us have the same attitude, not expecting to hear the wind blow or to see flames burn, but because we realize that the Spirit is still with us here in Christ's church. And he still speaks the words of the Lord and he still shows the love of the Lord. Which takes us to the second point in the sermon on the coming of the Spirit, His work. Now, the work of the Spirit, if I had to tell you everything there is to know from the Bible about the work of the Holy Spirit, well, this would be seriously a long sermon. Let us this morning consider just the phenomena that occurred at the occasion of the first coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The sound like the blowing of a wind 
and something that seemed to be tongues of fire. When we consider these demonstrations of the presence of the Spirit, we will have a good, a biblical summary of the work of the Spirit, of the way He works and of His work itself, and, and also the impact of His work upon us. The sound like the blowing of a violent wind is the sound of the coming of the Spirit. Now the wind is typical of the Spirit. Just as the wind blows wherever it wants, the same way the Spirit works wherever He wants. Whenever He wants. Sometimes He is as violent as a storm. A storm can be destructive. Threatening. Ask people who survived a storm at sea. A storm can eradicate everything. This is the power of the Spirit. At the same time, wind is the air you breathe. Something you need to survive. Just like that, you need the Spirit to survive spiritually. Don't get me wrong. I understand Acts 2 only relates to the sound of a storm. But we who know the Bible, we see a whole sum of connections to other texts and images that suit the work of the Spirit as well. The same thing goes for what you see when the Spirit is coming. Tongues of fire. They saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The way I see it, these words can only describe one scene that there was a shooting flame coming down from above and this flame set them all on fire. It was as if lightning was striking in a dry environment and and setting everything ablaze. Now, just like the wind... Fire, too, is a destructive force. Maybe you've heard about, a long time ago, the bombardment of the city of Dresden in the Second World War. 3,900 tons of incendiary bombs made the whole city burn like hell. Impressive. Frightening. All-consuming. And when the fire is gone, all that was is destroyed. The fire of the Spirit can have the same destructive effect to our sins and all nature, that is. And again, fire at the same time stands for, for light. Fire stands for, for warmth. The sun is a great ball of fire of an unbearable high temperature. But without the sun, no light, no life. And that again applies to the nature of the spirit as well. Our light in a dark world. Our warmth when everything around us is cold. Don't get me wrong. I realize Acts 2 speaks only of the sound of a storm wind and of visible tongues of fire. But... We who know the Bible have to realize that the fire accompanying the coming of the Spirit has a message for us all. And we remember 
that in the Bible, God's fire has always been both purifying, burning, and comforting, warming. That is how God is present in our lives. That's how the Spirit of God proves his presence in our lives. So there are two elements mentioned in Acts 2, in the history of the coming of the Spirit. There is wind, the movement of air, and then there is fire as well. But there is an other element connected to the Holy Spirit. It's not mentioned, I know, it's not mentioned in Acts 2. But in John 7, the Lord Jesus Christ connects the element of water to the coming of the Spirit as well. When he said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. Water. Why? Well, again, water has this double character, too, of being potentially both destructive and beneficial. Water was the element that destroyed the wicked world in the days of Noah. But water also is the very element that brings life in the desert, necessary to survive, as is the Spirit. The Spirit. So here he is, cleansing everything on earth that is dirty, that is polluted by sin and death. He blows it away, he burns it down, he rinses it clean. And then he brings life back to earth, real life, life with God. He brings the breath of life in a dying world. He brings light in the dark, the water of life for souls that pant for streams of water. The Spirit of God is the very lifeline between heaven and earth. We were trying to still our thirst with the poison of, well, you name it, accumulating property for the one. We were trying to still our thirst with the poison of, you name it, destructive relationships for another, drugs for number three. We, as we are, are so afraid of who we really are that we prefer to live in the dark. We chose death. But the Spirit has come to change your life, to give us life. That's His work. Now what is our response? The Spirit of God is coming. First, our attitude. Second, His work. Third, our work. What happens to us when the Spirit starts working in our lives? Well, let us first see what happened to our brothers and sisters when the Spirit came first on the day of Pentecost. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's what the Bible tells us. And for those who know their Bible, this could not really come as a surprise 
since centuries before, the prophet Joel had prophesied, in the last of days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, if it is our work to speak in tongues and prophesy like that, does the Spirit not ask too much of us? Uh, we know that there is a speaking in tongues in the sense of people starting to speak in a language they don't know and at the same time a language that is not an existing natural language. That phenomenon we see discussed, for example, in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. But I have no experience in speaking in tongues like that, nor in translating languages like that. And be this as it is, there's no reason to deny the Spirit the possibility to make people speak in languages nobody but the Spirit knows, which are nevertheless perfect vehicles for this message. It's possible. It's, after all, it's not very different from him making you, for example, speak words of forgiveness and love when you yourself feel nothing but hatred. The Spirit can do that. It's part of his work. But now we are trying to find what the work of the Spirit, what the work is that the Spirit wants us to do. Well, let's take a second look at what was going on on the day of Pentecost. So here we are in this house, downtown Jerusalem, all of a sudden, a thundering storm, an explosion of fire. People hesitate. Should they run for shelter or should they stay? Well, since nothing worse happens, their curiosity gets the upper hand and they come closer. But listen now, what do they hear? Each of them hears these men in their own language. So those are the Tongues in which the disciples speak here. What is happening here? Well, actually, all that happens is that the Spirit forces the people that listen to take him seriously. No one can get away with the excuse that he didn't understand what the Spirit was saying. And they are amazed, both by the fact that they can understand those fishermen, fishermen, from the Northeast Territories. And by the contents of their words, they are amazed. The amazing grace of the love of the Lord. But now listen. You should know that you can do that too. You can make your life talk of the wonders of God and the language of the people around you. The wonders of God in the language of your neighbors. You can apply that to the wonders of God in your own life. All of us have experienced the wonders of the Lord. That's not only about miraculous healing or the like. It's also about Him forgiving your sins and helping you conquer your old nature. 
But then the wonders of God don't end there. The great miracle was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then also his coming to the world. But then also God's creation of the earth. There is no end to the wonders of the Lord. They are new every morning. The Spirit of the Lord wants to remind you of the wonders of the Lord so that you start spreading the news. The wonders of God in the language of your neighbor. But that's the harder part, right? It's easy to talk about the wonders of God like if you're a minister of the Word and everybody, well has to listen to you. It is harder if you are, well, you name it, working in construction. Every other word you hear is swearing. Or if you go to a not-so-Christian college and all the talk is about dating and partying and you name it, how will you keep your life and language pure When you, with your own sinful heart, live in such an environment, how? How? Ask the Lord for his spirit. Let him destroy what is not pure in you and around you. Let him be the force of your new life. And let him make your life and words a testimony to the wonders of God. Dare to be different. In the end. The Lord will vindicate you. Only I have to warn you. The Spirit does not come without risk. If He sets you apart as belonging to Christ, the reactions will not be automatically positive. In Acts 2, we read, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Listen. If they mock you, don't be impressed. They know no better. The serious pain of their reaction is in the fact that they close themselves to the Spirit of God. Now, we know that if he wants to reach our hearts, he will get there. But we also know how deep we humans are, how deep Deaf we are to the words of the Spirit. So don't follow the example of the mockers of Pentecost. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let us be silent for a moment. No, we don't hear it anymore. The sound of the blowing of a violent wind. And we don't see it anymore. What seemed like tongues of fire. But we have heard the gospel of Pentecost. Our attitude is that we are open for the message of the coming of the Spirit. His work is that he is cleansing our old life and giving us a new life. Now your work is to make his work visible. Your work 
Don't worry. It is his very word. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.